0: You're listening to the Story Embers Podcast, a podcast dedicated to guiding and inspiring Christian storytellers to glorify God with excellent craftsmanship. I'm your host, Grace Livingston, and welcome to episode 23, The Elements of a Satisfying Climax. Hey, everyone. I'm Grace Livingston.
1: I'm Josiah DeGraff.
0: I'm Rolina Hatfield.
1: And I'm Deus Slam.
0: And today is all about sticking the ending in your story. What does it take to give your story a memorable climax that will leave readers feeling satisfied? What are some common pitfalls writers can fall into when writing their climax? We'll tackle these questions and more today, but to get us started, Josiah, Rolina, and Deus, what are some of your favorite examples of satisfying climaxes that you've read? And what about those endings do you think made them so memorable? or maybe even from the other side, what's a type of climax you've encountered that didn't leave you feeling satisfied as a reader?
2: I feel like it's unfair that we have to talk about climaxes and endings because it's definitely going to be spoiler material, unless I'm very, very, very careful. But I'm actually going to bring a Christian book to the table because whenever I think of climaxes or endings, I always think of this book. It's been a while since I read it, but I picked it up again yesterday and was just kind of thumbing through it. And I was like, yes, I remember absolutely adoring this climax. So there's actually a book called Aquifer by Jonathan Friesian. It's the only book that I've read by him, um, but I adored it. Um, So it's a dystopian and it's about a kid named Luca who has to negotiate um for water on the surface of the earth because there is no water unless you go underground and you negotiate with the people down there to send up fresh water for the world to keep living and the world is kind of like gathered into one place there's not a huge population anymore um so it's definitely in the future futuristic times timeframe there. Um, But in this book, anything that could possibly go wrong goes wrong. And as it leads up to the climax, there's so much that I am expecting to happen. Um, Like the government is corrupt, and they've been trying to control things, and they're chasing Luca. And Luca is finally, finally, three-fourths away through the book, made it underground. And you find out things there that you didn't expect to happen. And he's supposed to come up and make sure that This this year that they are going to have fresh water um, for the world to drink and you get up um, above ground, he finally gets up after being chased and all these other things have been going on and happening and you get to um, the, the surface of the world. And they, the climax literally comes as he's going to announce um, to the, the entirety of the population of the world that the, the water is supposed to come and you get there and the water does not come as it's supposed to up from underground. Um, anyway, so the climax is just so fantastic because there's so much suspense and so many little side plots and so many characters chasing after him and things happening, um, that I just, I was blown away and I'm not really sure if I should give away the spoiler point of the book after that, that it happens. But I love how he wraps things up. Like the ending of the book is just heart-wrenchingly beautiful. And I loved, I love the conclusions that he came to and the things that I thought I wanted from the climax and the ending. Not necessarily, what he gave me, it wasn't what I expected, but I was completely satisfied because he seemed to tie all the ends together um, and give me everything I wanted without giving me an expected ending. So, that's one of my favorite climaxes and endings.
3: Mm. I think the one thing that you mentioned, Ruling, really about it being you know both unexpected and satisfied is you know definitely something we want to hit on later. The book that I chose for this, which is a book I've been Talking about as many opportunities as I can get on the podcast and my articles, yeah, you know, the, the past six months um, is uh, is a monster calls um, by uh, by Patrick Ness. Um, I I absolutely loved one, one of my favorite books of all time. I'll also choose not to engage in spoilers. Um, I can't guarantee I'll always do that for all the books we talk about this episode, but for this one, I'm not going to spoil it. But the thing that made it such a powerful climax for me. One of the things that I love with the climax is when a climax centers around the protagonist finally fully getting the message that they've been struggling the whole book to learn. Brandon Sanderson also does a really good job with this, particularly in a Stormlight Archive series of just having these these, these moments of awesomeness where the character finally gets the truth and stands by it, you know, you know, and he says, you know, I'm gonna do the right thing here, come what may. And I just love that of the you know, the, the character who's been struggling for so long, finally having the courage to stand and you know make the right decision. Um, Monster Calls does not do it in the same way, but you still have the character finally understanding and embracing a really powerful truth at the end of the story, and both the embrace, final embrace of a powerful truth in a committed way, combined with a really emotional scene that just really really tugs it you know it is a very bittersweet ending um and so both having you know a very you know a, a very emotional loss toward the end of the story combined with full a full embrace of the truth are the two things that makes that climax very very memorable in in my book no no pun intended
1: i think i'm gonna have to pick two books it's been hard to decide Maybe even three. Okay, I'll just mention one briefly because I mention it all the time. It's the book Thief. Uh, if you want a great example of an ending, well, if you want a great example of anything, it is basically everything that you should do in a book. So go read the book Thief. Uh, my second example is going to be Crime and Punishment uh, by Dostoevsky. Stunning, uh, real deep psychological book about uh, a criminal and justice chasing after him. Perhaps the thing I love about this book is that the entirety of the book builds up to the last moment every everything focuses on the theme that is i guess blossoms i suppose at the the very last scene and it's a tough book it's a it's a tragic book, but in the end, there's a redemptive aspect to it and I think one of the things I love about it is that it he actually holds off till almost the very last very last sentence or at least last paragraph, this redemptive aspect. And it's like a soft touch. Now, if you if you hear a dramatic piano piece and then at the end, the last one was just barely a touch, it really gets to you. That's kind of what he did in Crime and Punishment. It was so good. Uh, another fantastic example, one that had me walking around in a daze for pretty much the whole day, was Dreamlander by Cam Wyland. If you don't follow her blog, go do that, helping writers become authors. And Dreamlander, in my opinion, is the best book she ever wrote. It's a fantasy. There's a guy who goes to this dream world, and he lives in the real world in the dream world. And lots of drama going on. So no spoilers, but there is a a bit of a sacrifice the character has to make at the end. Um, And not only do I love just the huge arc he went through to get to that point and how touching it was, But the best part is after that, the very last line of the book, again, that last line coming up, it encapsulates um, this like coming home feeling and a sense of warmth of all that we experienced in the book and hope it welled up all the good feelings from the entire book at once. And right after that sacrifice, the contrast was just very emotional.
2: Now, we were told that we could mention some of our least favorite climaxes. I feel a little... A little harsh (laughs) naming any names, but I will say that in general, um, some of my least favorite climaxes are when like Dave's saying about one of his favorite climaxes where there's all these moments leading up to this one certain moment in the book and you expect so much to happen out of it. And then you get there and you're like almost done with the book. There's only a few chapters left. And then nothing happens. And you're just like, what? And does that bother you guys too? But um anyway, I just that that bothers me to know. And and especially in series when this happens and you've been like following this character, you're emotionally attached, and you get to where you know the climax should be inserted, and you get to the end of the book and you're like, Wait, what happened to the climax? You mean I have to read book two? Oh, wait, you mean I have to read book three to get a good climax here? Um, so anyway, that's just that bothers me when they, when you get to those points and you really you're really ready for something something the worst to happen for all of these trails you've been following to to accumulate and something to happen, and nothing does that that drives me crazy.
3: Mm, yeah, i I feel you I feel you on that front i I think the another thing that that bothers me a lot, and you, know, this I, I love the fantasy sci-fi genre, but this also, you know, happens more often in this genre than perhaps some other genres. But the the, the one thing I really hate is when the whole climax is just a shootout or just a physical fight or something else where, you know, there isn't character development, there isn't theme escapade, it's just this, you know, it's just a fight, and then the one person happens to win at the end. And it's like okay that happened for me it's really important that that you know that a climax is meaningful and if your climax is is just a fight and it's not and there isn't really addition there isn't any character or thematic meaning that comes out on it it's just becomes a very forgettable climax in my book
2: or there's no fight and the the protagonist just forgives the villain and the villain walks away in tears i'm like no that's not this can't happen
1: Hashtag Christian stories. <laughs> sad, sad but true. Sad but true. Uh, and a lot of uh, children's stories. Yes. I'm going to mention two actual names here. Um, oh, having yeah. mentioned crime and punishment as an excellent example, I'm not going to mention uh, the brothers Kar- uh, Karamazov. I, don't, I never know how to pronounce the names. I think it's Karamazov. It's not a bad example, it's a good ending, but compared to Crime and Punishment, it was a letdown for me. The whole book as a whole is brilliant. Love the characters, super deep, and it will blow your mind. Especially a love when the character may or may not be hallucinating when he talks to the devil, it's hilarious. But at the ending, uh, there's all these characters that you've been following, and it just ends on, it was too simple, I think. Um, the, it kind of wraps up the moral to the story, given in a good way, but um, there wasn't a lot of resolution to the character arcs. I felt like we ended too soon, um, and there wasn't enough wrapped up at once. So it was good, but it could have been better. The other example, uh, it has a great climax, but just the last, the last sentence was a wet town was uh, the Mistborn trilogy, the original one. And if you haven't read that, that is probably my favorite uh series of all time the ending will blow your mind but then the last sentence after all this drama is kind of pathetic in my opinion it was like oh everything will be all right now finally (laughs) even if he had just cut off finally that one word it would have been better brandon is great at writing plots brandon sanderson the author but just the emotion of the last scene it seems to have trouble with. If you have trouble with that, guys, go get someone to help you. Like, I, I could not have written the Mistborn trilogy when I read that, but I could have definitely, like, spent a half an hour tweaking that ending and got it much better.
3: Are you talking about uh, the first Mistborn book or Hero of the Ages?
1: Uh, Hero of the Ages. Okay.
3: Yeah. I. That's also one of my favorite series, and I love the endings of the first two books. I don't remember the last line. You you obviously care a lot more about last lines than I do, but I, I do think I can sympathize with that with that some since uh, the, the 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 plot the the plotting resolute the plot resolution of the end of that book was brilliant. But I did feel like there was some character and thematic depth that was awesome. in the other two books in the series, that I felt was you know it was still good, but wasn't there as much as the other two books. Probably somewhat you know, you know, I don't know how much could be done about that because you know when you build up to have an epic standoff it's it's harder to do it in you know but of cataclysmic good and evil, but uh i I can sympathize with you on that we we may have to disagree on brothers Karamazov, but we'll okay. we'll, 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 we'll take the fight outside
1: all right <laughs> uh, and another thing about Miss Forn well, well the plot side of it was mind blowing um, I was so mad at Brandon because. There is uh, a a fairly main character, the brother of my favorite character. His name is Marsh. So go read it and be upset too. And at the end, Marsh has had this fairly significant uh, character arc he's going through. Very dramatic. And we get to the end and he's not even mentioned. He's just left out there. And I was like, I will strangle you, Branson. Where's my character I care about? And he does come back in the sequel. So hopefully we'll get more from him.
0: Okay, so moving right along, you guys have shared some of your favorite and not so favorite examples of climaxes. So now kind of in light of everything we've been discussing about those so far, what would you say are the necessary elements of a satisfying
1: climax? Uh, I'm going to say musicality. And what I mean by that is, uh, I already gave an example kind of, but at the end of a music piece, the tone changes. It's it's normally going to slow down, or there might be some other changes. And I believe to do a good ending, it really helps to have a musical ear. If you don't, like I said, no problem. Just write an amazing 99% of the book and have a friend help you with the last 1%. So having that ear will really help you. And you might even think about it in a musical way.
3: I think in, in combination with that show, you know, the other thing I mentioned, which you know, came up as a theme in both the, the climax I liked and the climax, you know, in the climaxes I don't like is, you know, to make sure that your your climax is necessary and meaningful to the story, particularly the story's characters and themes. If you remove the co- climax and not much is lost from a character and theme perspective, you know, even if you're missing the plot resolution, well, I'd argue that your, your climax isn't going to be a successful climax because successful climaxes are always, you're the most essential part, often with some of the biggest character and thematic moments in it. So look for a way to really use a climax as a way of highlighting, you know, character development and really spotlighting the power of your theme, not with a let's give a sermon in the middle of the climax about what we really want you all to gain from this story. But, you know, showcasing the, the the important thematic uh, character decisions. Uh, that uh, that uh, that the characters characters have to make um, with regard to how to act.
2: That was an excellent dramatic force there, Josiah.
3: You're welcome. <laughs>
2: Oh, I really like the, anal- I I love object lessons and analogies. And I like what you guys have set up here. I'm just envisioning the climax being this spotlight, just I use the word spotlight. And then Deis' analogy of it being musical. So there's like this spotlight on this piano, on this black canvas of a stage. Everything has been leading up to this moment. And as Deus was talking about, um, leading into that resolution and that closure as you would in a symphony or in a beautiful song
0: I love that picture so much Rolina it's so true for many of my favorite climaxes too especially since I'm not a huge fan of like you mentioned Josiah giant epic battle types of endings it's almost like those type of endings are like an symphonic orchestra piece that just kind of overwhelms you and you don't really know what to do with it. But I like those endings that, like Rose said, kind of like a, a solo piano piece, something that where you can really feel all the emotion and like callbacks to the beginning and all that, all that fun stuff. But okay. So to start wrapping all of this up, what's one tip you guys have for writers trying to craft stronger climaxes or who are maybe working on one for their first time?
1: I'm going to say weather. Throw in a storm with hail and lightning and fireballs falling from heaven, and you have a great ending.
2: <laughs> uh, my tip kind of goes along with that, Deus. I was going to say, don't be afraid to let the worst happen. Um, this is the moment everything has been leading to and go ahead and let that storm happen in this moment um, so that there isn't any disappointing ends there. Also one thing that I was thinking about my younger version of me writing that I wish I had known and wish I had done um, so definitely I'm more of a panster and so leading to the climax one thing that has proved really helpful for me is to stop and to go back and look at what all my story has been leading up to so find those threads. the character thread, the, the biggest question that my character has been asking up to this point, looking at the plot, what's one the, the biggest thing in the plot that has been leading up to this point. And then make sure that I pick up those threads and I'm doing something with them in the climax and then finding a way to tie them all at the end, whether it's an expected way or in a surprising way just making sure that I'm finding all those threads. So going back and looking at the story up to this point, just to make sure, you know, there might be a side plot I missed or a character like like we talked about. We don't want to miss, miss out on uh, a character moment that um, may not be the protagonist, but someone else in the story that we don't want to miss it, to be able to put in that climax and that ending.
1: I'm going to add one thing here is uh, mirror the normal world you introduced in the beginning of the story. So the concept of a normal world is to present uh, how your, where your character started off. Maybe it's them getting beaten up at school. They're just bullied all the time. And so if you open with that scene, the reader knows, okay, that's what this story is about. And if it doesn't go on to be about bullying, they'll be like, what? I was I was lied to. Most endings that are really quality will mirror in some sense that normal world and show, it's like the concept of foil characters, while you show the similarities to present the differences. So it might be in the same setting, or or at least they're just wrestling with the same thing, but now it's going to be different. Now they've their characters has changed for better or for worse. There's going to be a different outcome. So maybe if the character is bullied, you go back to the same scene and they uh, defend themselves or they work it out with the bully or, or something, but uh, it's going to mirror the way it started.
2: Mm, I really like that. Um, and one of the climaxes that I really loved that I – didn't mention was actually Steel Heart by Brandon Sanderson. I knew we'd probably talk about him um, sometime in this episode. He seems to be a popular author that we talked about. Um, but yes, I really enjoyed his his book Steel Heart. The one thing you were talking about mirroring that is that he does that. He does that in his book. The very first sentence is "I've seen Steel Heart bleed," and then when he gets to the very last chapter after the climax, so as to be more like bringing about that closure, he starts with that same sentence um, and. The character has definitely gone through a transformation throughout the, the book. And it's right after that, that big battle that happens between him and Steelheart. We start with that same sentence. So we feel like we've come in this full circle around and we get the character's new perspective on life coming back around now at the end of the story.
1: I, I just have to say something geeky here. There's a, there's a type of story structure, or it can also be sentence structure or paragraph structure called chiastic structure. You often hear about this in, uh, in terms of biblical literature, but it can be used elsewhere. And the pattern is um, is a mirrored pattern. So it's like A, B, B, A, or A, B, C, B, A. Um, and often stories will be told in this pattern where um, everything leading up to the midpoint is then mirrored in some sense in the second half. And there's a great article if you look it up. I don't remember the title, but look up um, Chiastic Structure and The Hobbit. Someone goes through and presents this case that the hobbit was written in chiastic structure. don't know if it was intentional or not, but if it was here's the crazy thing. classic structure is also called ring structure so
3: nice, nice. I love chiisms that's my one of my favorite things to teach about with the different works of literature that we've that we've uh, that i I teach at at school um and i've uh I, I I've developed a theory that uh, that the, the Tale of Two Cities is one book that's that's actually really structured as a giant chiasm, which I haven't found anyone else arguing that. And I've kind of thought about it at times if I should try to you know publish it in some journal or something because I think you can make a pretty strong case for it. Um, I've never done a chiasm, but I I love those as a chiasmic structure and love seeing those. But the other thing I was I was thinking about in the conversation that uh Deus and Rulina, you two were having on you know on the importance of kind of the you know the the mirroring or the callbacks to the beginning. And so you know, I think that that is, you know, a very important moment in the climaxes. And you know, one genre of stories I think often does a good job of doing this is the mystery novel. You know, because often the closing scene of the mystery novel is very much tied to, you know, what happened in the beginning to create these really powerful bookends on the whole story. Um, I uh, one of my favorite films I saw last year was Knives Out. Which is a a mystery film that's cu- that's cu- in the style of a good Agatha Christie novel, but with some surprising twists and turns that are it's it's both playing the the mystery novel format straight, but it's also doing some very new original things with it. And that was another climax, you know, to give an example, you know, a non non fantasy action adventure climax that does this. Of a really good climax that did a really good job of you know calling back to things that happened earlier in the story. That at the time you didn't you know realize why they're important, but then putting all those pieces together to show why all these details at the beginning of the story were very artistically artfully placed in plain view. Which I think you know you know when you're writing a mystery is really important that you have those things that the author can, the reader can see that oh all the way at the beginning of the book you were planning for this and setting up for the climax.
2: Now we have the pressure of ending this very well.
3: We need to have something that's both surprising and yet deeply mean and yet, you know, predictable, which is also very meaningful and also symphonic.
0: Well, I'm pretty sure most of our listeners will be expecting me to launch into my thank you for listening speech. So I think we've got one of those elements covered at least. (laughs) There you go.
2: Fulfill expectations. Wonderful.
1: (laughs) I think a good ending is when we all die.
3: (laughs) Wow.
2: Kill everybody off. Well,
1: that is a thought
3: that is deep, that is surprising, it's also (laughs) meaningful. And if you know Deus well enough, maybe it was a bit predictable. So I think that's how we got the podcast.
0: Everybody dies, the end. The end. Wow. Oh boy. I think I better take over before this episode becomes a Deus tragedy. Thank you, listeners, for joining us, and it's your turn now. What makes a climax memorable for you, and what mistakes have you noticed in climaxes that you've read? We'd love to continue this conversation in the comments on this episode. To learn more about any of the panelists on today's episode, visit storyembers.org/about. And shout out to our wonderful Patreon supporters Taylor Clogston and Michael Stanton. Finally, don't forget to subscribe to the Story Embers podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or Spotify, so you can listen anytime, anywhere. And join me again next time on March 15th for the next episode of the Story Embers podcast.